How you folks doing today? In today's conversation, we have two Democrats from either side of the Israeli-Palestine conflict. The reason why we want to have this conversation is because we want to have dialogue. And in the Democratic Party, we have members that are of Arab, Muslim, Palestinian, American descent, as well as Jewish, Israeli American. We hope that by having this conversation, we all can walk away with more compassion and empathy as fellow Americans and fellow Democrats. How you doing, man? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. Thank you for coming in. And I, I just wanted to just tell everybody, the reason why we're doing this today is because we want to foster this conversation. Uh, we're not here to to try to create solutions to a very deep historical um, issue, uh, but we want to open up this conversation to make sure that we know that every side, every way that we're looking at this has a way that can be expressed. Mm -hmm. And we want to present that to um, the Democratic Party of Cuyahoga County. Mm -hmm. And so I really appreciate you taking the time to come out to, to talk about this very hard topic. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Omar, can you do me a quick favor and, uh, and introduce yourself? Absolutely. So my name is Omar Curdy. Um, I want to clarify that I'm also here um, in my personal capacity as an Arab American, as someone who is um, deeply concerned about what's happening um, in Palestine. And I'm here because my grandmother is Palestinian who was displaced and made a refugee in 1948. And um, since then I've carried this cause dear to my heart and I'm, I'm, I'm here to do exactly what you just um, described in your intro. After October 7th, how are you feeling? How are you doing right now? Um, it's, I'm okay, but you know, what is okay? I, can, I cannot be fully okay while watching um, what's taking place over there in Gaza. Um, I was not okay on October 7th. And I was not okay prior to October seventh or after October seventh, like you said. It's um, it's 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 a long series of events. We're talking about seventy-five years of occupation, and then about six, fifteen, sixteen years of siege on Gaza. And I'm someone who cares about all human lives. I'm sad, and I and I sympathize, and I feel with the 1,500, 1,600 lives that have been lost in Israel. Mm -hmm. And I'm also sad and upset and angry at the 20,000 plus lives that um, have been lost in Gaza and are continuing, that number is continuing to increase. So um, I'm, I'm okay, but I'm not fully okay. I, I don't think, um, I say this to my friends, I think we've had multiple conversations about that. I don't think we will ever um, be fully okay. Like, I don't think we can ever go back to feeling the way we felt prior to October 7th. Are you personally connected to anybody in the region? Um, yes. So I, I actually have a good friend of mine. He lives in Gaza. Um, oh, wow. Has you, have you been able to correspond with him? When we're able to, um, there was a time that, um, and I hate to um, remember, but um, we had to um, basically... Um, I don't want to say say our goodbyes, but um, 
sorry i'm getting um emotional but no, i had to, i had to um i had to text that the, i'm if this is the last thing I'll, i'm ever gonna tell you that i want you to know that you're loved and um luckily he's still alive so um but that was a tough moment in the beginning um um in the beginning of this war where i i had to do that because he um they israel cut electricity so um he was running out of battery and he had to shut his phone to save whatever battery is left in the case of emergencies and mm -hmm. um so yeah today is december uh, 14th uh, 2023 and this has been going on for now over two months the news that is coming out um, the images that are coming out, the reports that are coming out, must have been a roller coaster on your feelings and emotions. Mm -hmm. Can you explain and maybe um, let us know how you're feeling from the seventh until now, and the roller coaster of of news and reports coming out of the region? We would need a hundred of these sessions honestly to go over all of that especially if i'm speaking on my behalf and on my community's behalf mm -hmm. um i could tell you this my initial thought on october 7th was i wonder what the retaliation will be mm. um we've seen this happen before never expect never expected it to be this graft I, I never expected it to continue this long um there are moments where um obviously i get in my feelings and i'm crying and feeling helpless um there are moments where um, i'm determined and i'm making calls and i'm trying i'm traveling around the country to meet with people to see how we can advocate um and push for a ceasefire but i i remember the first moment i broke down when it finally hit me it's it was a video that came out of a mother um, running um, outside of a Shifa hospital. And she was screaming that her two kids, her two boys died without having dinner. And um, I had to change my pillow sheets from mm. how much I've cried because it reminded me of my mom. And my mom was the mom that always made sure that um, we ate before we went to bed. And that was that was a critical moment for me during this um but right now if i'm going to describe my feelings right now i'm just like completely determined to just work very hard to um mobilize the community and just push for um, a ceasefire and while we don't have the solutions but um i think the most basic thing right now that we can ask for is a ceasefire to end the cycle of violence and then just talk about how palestinians could have their equal um basic human rights i am this has impacted the community you yourself your family but also your community and what have you been hearing um and what do you what has the, been the community chatter the Arab community, the Muslim community, uh, the Palestinian community chatter around what's happening over there. Can you give us some examples or some things that you might have had or some discussions you might have had? Absolutely. I can tell you this. There is almost a complete consensus with um, anger towards our government. Um, we believe that... Um, Define our government. Sorry. Um, basically, the Biden administration. The Biden administration. Okay. Um, we believe... I apologize. Uh, I didn't know if you were talking about. Oh, oh yeah, no, of, our yeah. government here. Yeah. yeah. So um, the Biden administration. So we believe that we 
we have and when i say we like as america we have the power um leverage power to um sort of uh, work towards ending um this war and that hasn't been done um in the beginning there were um the rhetoric and the narrative was maybe more towards sympathy with um, Israel and and that absolutely deserves sympathy, but there was almost nothing towards the Palestinians until later, um, and 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 we believe that also um, that contributed to the um, and I that contributed to um, some of the um, hate rhetoric that we've started experiencing here. So um, there is fear, um, there is anger. But also there's um, a sense of unity and uh, mobilization that I've never seen in our community. Um, a sense of um, willingness to learn about civic engagement, um, a, a sense of um, wanting to be involved in um, public comment in Cleveland City Council. Like people have showed up that have never spoken publicly before. Like um, So um, we've, we're definitely seeing this, in my opinion, very beautiful sense of mo uh, mobilization and unity. Um, towards pushing for a ceasefire and like i said there are no concrete solutions or tangible solutions available but right now the the, the least we could ask for is a ceasefire you said there's no concrete solutions or tangible solutions and again like i said we're not going to try to figure out this conflict mm -hmm. or in this history in you know 20 minutes on a podcast mm -hmm. um, but what do you think are the steps to start getting to those solutions? Do you think that there is a way to solutions? Do you think, like, what would it take? It would take a lot. And um, I, I'll be lying if I told you I knew the way. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll be very ambitious if I even started describing what that looks like. Um, and, and, and with everything that's happening today, I'm trying to be as realistic as possible. That's why um, we're starting with that um, call for a ceasefire. Mm -hmm. um, let's end this war. Let's end this current war. Let's end this cycle of violence and then talk about how we're going to move forward. Um, obviously, both sides have to... Um, eventually sit down and and negotiate and see how they're going to move forward i think both sides want to live both sides want to live in peace both sides want to um have um a, a bright future um there's a thing there's a saying um that i once heard from a, a woman in gaza on tv and she said when you're born in gaza you're born dead what does that mean you're 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 born inside an open air prison, a siege. Like, what are you gonna do? Like, it's so hard to break free out of that. So you mean like like um, chances for upward mobility for exactly. achieving something more? Exactly, and... it's very tough. And I think whatever solution, whatever solution, any side I ever agrees on has to guarantee Palestinians their basic equal human rights. I think that's that's like the the basics of it. And then we can talk about what that looks like. Um, but like I said, I I wish I had the keys for peace because I I would literally dedicate the next year of my life just traveling and um, locking doors, making peace everywhere. That's who I am as a person. But I don't. So um, I'm just um, I'm just here trying to use my voice to advocate for my people. You, you mentioned that this has been going on for 75 years. Mm -hmm. 
there's a lot of trauma within um, uh, history. Mm -hmm. um, we see it in a lot of different areas, you know, with with uh, the Gaza situation, with the uh, Jewish uh, people, with um, slavery in America, and a lot of different things. How do you think that this cultural community trauma um, builds over time, and and how do you see it kind of? How do you see that this situation is going to ingrain itself within the community and that built up historical trauma? Mm -hmm. There's. A that's lot. a huge. That's a huge question. I know it's, it's it's a very huge question, and 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 I and I take it um, heavily with love and respect because I'm someone who cares about mental health, and um, and especially in in Arab culture, and especially as an Arab man, um, mental health is usually, and I'm sure that is also sort of a little universal um, outside of Arab culture, but um, for us men, it's usually a taboo to talk about mental right. health. So. Right. Um, uh there's a lot of unpacked traumas that um we don't talk about mm. and i think we see that in um some of the ways how um we react or not react how people choose to be quiet or how people choose to be loud how people choose to take it to the streets or how people choose to um post on social media as an act of protest so um it It'll take a lot of me to just go deep into describing that. But what I can tell you is, with this specific war, I'm starting to see a shift in mental health spaces and talking about mental health. We've hosted one healing space for our community here, and we're hosting another one um, because people have now have that desire to be in community mm -hmm. um, and to um, share um, how they feel in safe spaces and with people that um, are also sharing that same sentiment. Um, can we unpack all these traumas right now? No. Can we stop more of them? I don't know. I'm sure. Um, and this is just me talking about us living in the diaspora, like people with connections um, in Gaza or in Israel, I can't even imagine right. what they're feeling over there. Uh, you, you make a really good point. Actually, that was exactly what I was trying to get into is, you know, there are, you know, children that are going to grow up without one or both parents um, that that builds into um, abandonment, uh, resentment, anger, um, you know, lack of structure, you know, just many different things. And I, I think that one thing we don't we don't talk enough about is how these seemingly and this is that that definitely is not small, but these traumas and sometimes seemingly small traumas just layer on top of each other to create something that's almost impossible to break through, not in your personal self, but generationally that passes down. You pass that trauma down to uh, your kids and those kids pass it down and it just keeps building and building over time. Mm -hmm. And and it's really hard to break through and break mm -hmm. break those traumas off. Mm -hmm. um, let, let's move over to here in the, in, in the States for a little bit um, and talk about Arab, Muslim, Palestinian trauma here. 9-11 um, was something that brought out a lot of anti-Arab, anti-Muslim mm -hmm. um, sentiment. Um, and that has, I would say, always been with us mm -hmm. since September 11th in one way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. Can you speak to that? And can you speak to how that might have progressed over over time? And then 
what are you seeing what are you seeing now if you wants to if you want to juxtapose it to say 9/11 trauma and that anti-arab anti-muslim uh, sentiment is is there a comparison is do you see a resurgence do you see mm. what do you, what do you see um within the united states and the outlook of some people and just saying some toward the um muslim arab community that's a very good question especially after an incident that i um that happened to me while i was in um, washington dc last week <clears throat> even though it'll be a scoop but i'm not going to mention names but i had a brief conversation with um an elected official in washington dc um, at a private event, and I'm concealing some of that. I have witnesses, but I'm concealing parts of that information to protect the people that were hosting that private event. Mm -hmm. And I went up to um, this elected official and I asked him, are we um, getting a permanent ceasefire? He talked and talked and talked, and I have no recollection of anything he talked because the last sentence he told me is still haunting me he literally put his um hand on my arms and then he said but it's okay we understand not all arabs are murderers how did that statement make you feel um like how did you interpret that i'm getting chills right now just remembering because i froze i froze but it also reminded me that we do have um some elected officials that are still stuck Mm. in 9-11 mm, um, rhetoric. And these individuals definitely must represent people that are still stuck there. But now um, the, this resentment is growing because of um, media coverage, mm -hmm. um, because of current events. So um, I think we're, I think it's getting worse. I think we're 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 getting into um dark times and I don't think we've even scratched the surface of it and I'm not even just talking about um anti-arab anti-muslim hate even the rise of anti-semitism and how they're trying to use um anti-semitism to um agitate our community and they're using anti-arab anti-muslim hate to agitate the jewish community when i think both of our communities as minorities in this country have been marginalized and um mm. discriminated against and um the conversation this conversation should um bring us closer to talk about how we can combat that rather um what the media is doing and trying to separate us um so i it's i think it's definitely dangerous Yesterday, I saw that um, the state of Oklahoma, the governor um, canceled all diversity, equity and inclusion programs in all public universities. So it just tells you, like, where are we heading to mm -hmm. um, in, in, in that terms? How, how do you think that the cancellation of uh, DEI um, things in or courses or organizations in, in the university affects um, affects your community? Um, negatively, and, and, and I hate that there are people that um, are trying to politicize DE&I and what diversity, equity, and inclusion means, because whether you're white, black, Muslim, Christian, Jew, um, um, whatever ethnic or religious background you are, diversity, equity, and inclusion exists, mm -hmm. so you feel safe. And so you could, um, and so you you're aware on how to make others feel safe and included, like this narrative that DNI is um, dangerous or it exists to harm 
a certain group um, is false and um, and I think is just being politicized for no reason. Um, I think it's important for my community because our culture is very rich. Our culture is deep, just like any other minority group, any other faith. And um, it's important to know how to deal with different cultural groups. It's important, at least for me, if, if I'm dealing with someone from a different background, I would love to be educated on how to be respectful to them, how to like um, learn a few things about their culture that will um, make me make them feel safe and um, safe and, um, and heard and, and respected in my space. Mm-hmm. So I would expect the same to be done with my community as well. So we're talking to the Cuyahoga County Democrats that might be watching this. How would you say that someone can combat or push back against anti-Arab, anti-Muslim rhetoric, and how do they recognize it? First and foremost, just speak, like speaking up. Um, I'm part of a lot of conversations in the shadow, and I'll tell you, and then there's there's a good amount of support behind the scenes, um, but I think we need to take that to the surface. Um, and I think once that's taken to the surface, um, more people will feel inclined to also un- understand and learn and show support. Um, having these conversations, um, something like this podcast that um, allows two people from two different backgrounds to speak, and then um, the viewers are going to watch two people from two different backgrounds have um, a respectful um, conversation and an engagement of ideas and thoughts. I think that will also be very helpful. Um, there's no playbook mm-hmm. to um, combat hate, right? Because that's that's it's human. Like it's human. We're we're humans. We feel things, um, but we can just try and sometimes improvise ways to um, create a safer um, community. I want to say thank you for coming on and uh, talking about this. Um, I know it's very surface level. Um, again, we're not trying to solve the um, conflict here at this table between both of us. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm very thankful that we got the chance to, I got a chance to hear you, hear about your experiences, your feelings about this, and present that to um, other people within the community and in the county. Um, Last question I have for you is, there, there is a division between people taking sides here, even in Cuyahoga County within the Democratic Party. How would you guide them to reconcile those divisions and try to unify over a either talk about a solution or not to demonize one side or the other in this situation especially here in Cuyahoga County for people who live here in Cuyahoga County um, I think it's a very important question and um, the number one thing that is popping up in my head is facilitate conversations okay facilitate conversations. I know sometimes people are afraid to have conversations. Sometimes people's schedules might not work. Sometimes um, there's a fear that a conversation can be dictated by one side over the other. But um, having a facilitated conversation, um, no matter how small it is in the beginning, I think would be a great move forward. Um, Bring people together. Mm -hmm. Bring people together from different groups. I mean, last night, I was celebrating Hanukkah in downtown Cleveland with um, my Jewish friends from um, Jewish Voice for Peace. So that, like, there, there, there is a way 
even right. to look past our religious differences. You know, and that's a, that's a good point. It doesn't even have to be the both sides of this this conflict. It could be, um, say, um, Indian Americans. Mm -hmm. What? How do you feel about this? Mm -hmm. uh, or, or other Americans, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Irish Americans. Exactly. How do you feel about this? Exactly. And and try to get those different perspectives. Exactly. I, it's on the news. So many people have opinions, right? So um, it's good to facilitate a conversations, in my opinion, between um, Palestinians and um, the Jewish community. But like you just said, I think it's also important to invite other community members into the conversation to listen and to also give some insight. Sometimes um, some people might agree with me. Sometimes uh, people might disagree with me. But um, I think having someone from the outside mm -hmm. give some insight um, could be beneficial. Right. Um, when you're when you're in it, you're not. It's 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 harder to see the full picture. Right. Um, so having someone from the outside could also be beneficial. So um, what I would ask the party, if if they're willing to do it, is to um, and I'll be more than happy to help, is to facilitate a conversation, a heart to heart. How do we move forward, both sides? And then I'm talking and not governments. I'm not talking Hamas or Netanyahu. I'm talking humans. Here in Cuyahoga County. People, humans, us citizens, mm -hmm. tax-paying citizens living in the United States of America. We feel deeply about what's going on over there. We have connections. We have responsibilities towards there, but we also have responsibilities towards here. Um, we can unite over some stuff. There is a there is a middle ground, right. and that's where I think the party could come in with facilitating that kind of a conversation to to talk about that. Omar, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. Adam, how you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm good. How are you, Matt? I'm I'm excellent. Thank you very much. Um. We're here today to talk about the conflict that's happening in Israel, Gaza, Palestine. Um, it's a very hard topic, and we wanted to have on Palestinian representation and Israel and Jewish representation to try to find how everybody's feeling about this common ground. We're all Ohioans. Uh, we live in Cuyahoga County. We're all Democrats. And the last thing we want is this conflict to create divisions here, not only in the party, but in our neighborhoods, in our communities. Mm -hmm. Before we get into um, talking directly about that, can you please introduce yourself? Sure. Yeah. My name is Adam Rosen. Uh, I'm an attorney here in Cleveland. I live and work in uh, Ward 15. I'm involved in the party apparatus uh, on the Central Committee and on the Executive Committee. And I'm involved in a number of volunteer capacities in the in the Jewish community um, both as a as a volunteer and as a in politics and in a variety of capacities so um, you know I this issue is is obviously very personal to me it's very personal to my people um, and it impacts our politics so it's it's really a, an important topic and I'm, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to to, to talk about it with you. I, I will give you a caveat though, that whatever I say doesn't represent any organization or any, anybody I'm, I'm volunteering or a part of, you know, it's, it's challenging. There's a lot of division, um, in our society right now, 
uh, particularly on this topic, but there's also division and disagreement and um, debate um, within uh, my own community and mm-hmm. within the Jewish community. And it's there's certainly no one opinion that speaks for anybody. And um, my opinion today is mine and mine alone. Right. I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you coming in to talk about this. It's not an easy conversation to have. <laughs> to be honest, it's not an easy uh, conversation to ask questions about uh, in a um, unbiased or exploratory manner. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my first question to you is, on October 7th and 6th, October 7th, how, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be honest. I'm not really okay. Um, I think that October 7th, that morning, you know, I felt just an immense sadness, um, a grief, um, not just for for the lives lost and, and the folks who were, who were kidnapped and, and are now held hostage, but for what was to come. You know, I think we've seen this play out before where, um, you know, when a conflict begins, it's not just one day or one week. It's um, months of of traumatic things that happen. Um, and it's it's very challenging to to navigate that, um, especially from afar. Um, you know, I'm very grateful for the allyship and support that um, I've received personally, that our, mm-hmm. our community has received. Um, but I'd be lying to you if I, if I told you that this is not the hardest time, it's the hardest time as a Jewish person that I've ever experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it, it's really been tough. Do you, are you personally connected to anybody in Israel or Gaza? Do you have uh, friends from both um, the Muslim community and um, the Jewish community? Yeah, um, you know, I've been I've been absorbing a lot of my grief is absorbing pain and and things from from Israel, from my friends and loved ones there. Um, I've had a chance to travel there a half dozen times or more. Um, so I have I have plenty of friends, family friends that my parents and grandparents have, um, you know, maintained over the years. So um, multi generations of people, and you know, I I know folks whose families or people are fighting in the military um, who have had to run to their uh, bunkers um, mm. when rockets are being fired. Um, and, you know, I admire their resilience and all of that. It's something that I think we can learn a lot from um, because it's uh, more than just, um, you know, standing in the face of danger. It's um, loyalty and patriotism and, and, and standing up for democracy for your country. Um, and it's, it's, setting aside the government and everything else, I think it's, you know, it's an important lesson about resiliency and grit um, that we can learn a lot from. I, I do also know folks um, in Gaza and, and um, in, in Palestine, in the Palestinian territories there. Um, you know, living in Cleveland, it's a diverse community here and right. you maintain friendships, you know, that are, are not all people who have the same background as you. Right. And I've heard some horrible stories um, that, that really... Um, have touched me and I think have allowed for me to, you know, show empathy in in ways that um, you don't get to show if you don't have those personal connections. So um, it's, it's been really tough all around. My my father was in um, Tel Aviv uh, on October 7th. And I know that our family's chat was, you know, very much concerned about what was happening. Um, What were you personally thinking? What were you personally talking to your friends about as Mm -hmm. everything was unfolding? Yeah. 
It, I, I tell you, I had a sinking amount of dread on October 7th that morning. I mean, it was immediate. I woke up to the news. Um, I don't usually check my phone right away when I wake up, but for some reason I did that Saturday morning and um, I knew something had changed. I knew that our reality had changed forever, really. Mm. I, I had that feeling and I think a lot of my friends and, and folks and I was I was texting with in Israel on WhatsApp, you know, had that same, uh, had that same epiphany. Um, and, you know, I think knowing that things are never going to be the same and that there were challenges ahead it's it's that's the hardest part that that moment of not knowing how to prepare or what was going to come um is really overwhelming and um that that sense of overwhelming grief and and unknowing of kind of what's going to happen next in in those days and weeks that followed there were some I had some really tense conversations with with my friends um about um, not only the, what had happened, but the response, the Israeli response. And, you know, I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't lose several friends, um, hmm. in the aftermath of that. And I think it's challenging the way we communicate with each other is challenging now more than ever, because it, it while we can, we're connected to everyone, we're also like somewhat distant, um, especially through like social media and texting and other stuff. It's not the same as, as sitting down across from someone and and feeling their emotions through their eyes, through their body, um, you know, movements, through their hand gestures, or having that same level of empathy is just harder. Right. And so um, it's it's been really hard to have those conversations in ways that I I wish I wouldn't have, and to to lose friendships over that. It's it's not been fun. I, I want you to define something you said. You said our reality changed. I know, again, we're not doing this because we think we're going to problem solve, uh, you know, years of history and conflict and, um, you know, discussions mm -hmm. in, in, a, in a podcast in the Cuyahoga County Democratic Headquarters in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, but but what, did, what did you mean by that? How, how has it changed in your opinion? Yeah. Well, I think to answer that question, I think it's important to give some context about when I say our or what it means to be Jewish or what the Jewish people are. Um, I think there's a lot of misconceptions out there about Judaism. I think a lot of people don't, you know, associate us with a people. It's more, hey, it's a religion. Um, hey, it's mostly white. Um, you know, at least in America, you know, it's easy to kind of say those things. Um, and what I will say is, and, I, and I've learned through experience, is that Jews identify more as a people and not a religion. And when a people have a history, it's different than a religious practice or a religious history. And because many Jews are not religious at all, um, you know, which is part of the, the tension uh, in Israel uh, politically, um, but also part of the challenge of of what I what it means to say our reality has changed. It's it, it's it's a it's a new kind of framework that we have to then view our safety from that we have to um, define ourselves and how we go about our daily lives about how um, you know our identity can kind of bleed into almost everything we do and. I think what happens in these types of situations is our complexity gets has a tendency to be erased. Mm -hmm. It has a tendency to be overlooked, and um, we don't 
necessarily lean into it as much as we should. Personally, it's it's hard. It's it's a lot of work emotionally and intellectually. And um, you know, we we have a tendency as humans to kind of seek that comfort and and you know easiness. Um, and and that's not been the case. And so, you know, in the United States especially, um, it's been uh, a challenge. But I think our reality, when I say our, it's it's the, the Jewish people and our and our ability to um, not only practice our religion, sure, but to to exist in society and to be safe and to feel like we have a place. I, I was listening to somebody talk about this this, this conflict, this situation the other day, and they they um, said that in America we don't have a really good sense of what like an ethno cultural community is because that's not that's really not an American thing, mm-hmm. but the Jewish people are this more more so than the religion. It's more of like an ethno cultural people um and we don't really have a good a good like baseline here in america for that and so it's really hard for americans in general to to kind of conceptualize what that really means Mm -hmm. um with everything happening right now um there's been a lot of tension as you said here in our communities but communities around uh the country how do you how does your how's the jewish community feeling right now in um just being and living within uh, their communities. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough because I think, you know, obviously what happened and, and what's the ongoing situation is very challenging. But yeah, I think you have to look at the history of our people to understand kind of why we may feel a certain way about mm. how, how things are going down. Right. Um, and, you know, if there's anything I've learned from my elders or the people who came before me or through my family, it's that the Jewish people have a history of oppression, have a history of being marginalized, have a history of being basically kicked out or persecuted wherever we were. And, you know, I say all the time that this is one of the best times uh, for Jews to be living in the United States of America with all the freedoms and the and the uh, integration and assimilation that we've had while still maintaining our identity. It's truly a remarkable time to to kind of be alive and to be experiencing this. At the same time, you know, and, and President Biden has said this uh, on a few occasions now, and it's been controversial, but I I agree that. A lot of that is because of the existence of the state of Israel of the Mm -hmm. last 75 years. Now, there's a lot of trauma that went into the founding of the state of Israel and since um, and things that have happened around that. But I agree that there's an element of because the Jewish people have their own state and have the ability to defend themselves and have security there, whether or not we believe that we're going to always be able to escape there and find, uh, you know, uh, safety and asylum, the idea of Israel projects a sense of safety and security here in America and contributes to that relative um, period of well-being. So, you know, I think when we think about kind of the history and the things that we've gone through and then apply this current situation to it, it kind of brings up a lot of that trauma from our past, that that feeling that we can't be safe anywhere, that we're constantly being, you know, refugees or this is our collective experience. You know, it just kind of brings a lot of that to light. And so that that's been a, a, a big challenge because you don't know kind of where someone's coming from um, when they talk about this topic. Um, right. And so you have to kind of dive in and understand someone's perspective before you can even begin to address some of the challenging issues that we're facing. You know, I think that you brought up a really interesting um, interesting conversation there, and that's trauma and historical trauma and generational trauma. 
Um, I asked the same thing about uh, to Omar about uh, trauma that the Muslim community has experienced after September 11th. Um, we talk about trauma here in the United States quite a bit when it comes to slavery. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we also, I mean, you can maybe see it with the Irish as well and how they were treated um, mm -hmm. coming over as well. Um, and then, of course, the Jewish trauma throughout history. Can you just, I guess, illustrate or or color that a little bit what does that lo look like how does how would you define the jewish trauma over the long history and also the jewish um, the jewish or the israel state history and how that layers up over and over to i guess culminate into now uh october 7th and th that feeling can you just kind of like walk us through that a little bit yeah i mean and, and really i think what you're asking too is kind of like a history of of anti-Semitism or what anti-Semitism means. I think that's now. exactly what I'm asking. You know, right? Yeah. So it's it's challenging because I think it's like going back to what I said a few minutes ago. It's easy to think of Jews or the Ju Judaism as a religion only, right. and when you look at it kind of in this ethno-cultural way, as you talked about, or you know, as a people, then it becomes a lot different because there's a lot of historical movement and persecution and other things that have happened throughout our history. And I think that anti-Semitism as a whole has existed for, for a very long time. And there's a lot of examples of it. Um, you know, the one we learn about most often is the Holocaust. And, you know, Israel was certainly born out of the era of the Holocaust and, and the trauma that was experienced there, six million Jews being, you know, killed um, for no reason other than their their religion or mm -hmm. for what they believe. Um, but, you know, there's a long, long history of it. And it's it's expulsions, it's um, persecution, it's a lot of things from our past that, you know, we learn about in school sometimes, um, you know, certainly as a Jewish person, I've, I've had experience learning about them. Um, you know, think of the Spanish Inquisition or um, some of the um, uh, pogroms that happened in, in Russia and the former Soviet Union. Um, you know, there's even examples of it in the United States um, where, you know, uh, Jews were denied entry, um, coming, escaping the Holocaust, or, um, you know, there were certain political movements in our early history where Jews were not welcome, even though our, our country was founded on religious freedom. Mm -hmm. um, and then all the way up until, you know, there were a lot of Jewish people living in, in the Middle East outside of Israel, um, in countries where, um, you know, Jews are no longer living because they were expelled or just wasn't safe for them. And so the idea of Israel and the idea of having a homeland kind of coalesced around a long history of expulsion and, and persecution. Um, that history is complex. I don't purport to be an expert in it, right. um, but it's something that we carry with us, even if we're not experts. Right. And that is that we know that's part of our past and that we're constantly seeking that safety and security. And um, it's something that kind of informs our responses to things. Well, I, I, I agree. And I think that that's something I, I, I feel that we don't address enough um, in not only just culturally and historically, but also when it comes to generational um, trauma in the household, if, if it's alcoholism or abuse and mm -hmm. so on and so forth, those do, you know, layer up over generation and generation. They change the way you treat other people, the, the way the way that you handle stress, the way that you deal with um, out, outside things that are outside of your control. Um, those all stem from something. And this is totally off script, but I'm curious about how you think that we should be teaching these historical traumas, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, again, 
every culture has an historical trauma, you know, in some shape or form, especially here in America, where we have such a melting pot of different uh, peoples that have different stories to tell, different histories. And history has trauma for for people. Mm -hmm. It does. How do you think that we should be approaching that and learning about it in a way that, I don't know, creates stronger communities, stronger em empathy? Mm -hmm. what, what would you say? Yeah, I mean, I think it comes back to this idea of, you know, having dialogue and conversation with with folks from different backgrounds and perspectives than you. Um, you know, part of the reason why, um, you know, I, I agreed to do this and, and have continued to try to seek conversation partners is because I think it's the best way to mm -hmm. share a story, to listen to someone else's story, to display empathy and to learn. And, you know, if we talk about some of the problems that I identified, you know, a few minutes ago about, you know, we don't know what Jewish people are or kind of, you know, how they came to be. We don't know what anti-Semitism is or how it manifests itself. Um, and, you know, if I don't have credibility to explain that to you, then, you know, who does, right? It's not going to come from a history book or whatever else. Like we can try to, you know, get creative with the way we educate our, our I guess people. That's, that's what I was asking. Is, yeah. like, should, is that a job of the schools? Is that job of history books or? I, I really think it has to come from perspective. And I think we should encourage, especially young people to have conversations with people who have different perspectives than them. Now, unfortunately, that means you're going to get in uncomfortable situations right. and um, there needs to be ground rules around those types of conversations. But the only way to stop hate um, and to stop that effect of one hateful idea at the center and then having various levels kind of emanate from that is to share your story, to share your perspective, to establish credibility, and for someone to have a window into why you feel a certain way or why a certain word may um, offend you or, or whatever the case might be. Mm -hmm. Moving local in Cuyahoga County, um, have you seen that um – anti-Jewish or anti-Semitism is on the rise or uh, conversely anti-Arab or anti-Muslim hate? Yeah. And, and, and this is obviously really personal. Um, there was a cemetery, uh, that was vandalized, um, close to my house on the West side of Cleveland. Um, really? Yeah. This was, uh, maybe about a month ago, um, over on Ridge road. Um, there's actually a handful of Jewish cemeteries, that are on the near west side of Cleveland. Um, historically, that's where the immigrant communities landed. Um, and so some of these cemeteries date back to the early 1800s of the first Jewish immigrants coming to this country, escaping persecution, uh, no doubt, um, and, you know, burying their their loved ones right. on the near west side. Um, and so there are a handful of, of Jewish cemeteries that are then uh, cared for by a number of Jewish organizations um, in Cleveland and are not currently active as far as I know, right? So it's it's all older um, tombstones and things. So one of them was vandalized. There were swastikas um, uh, written oh, on, wow. on, on uh, tombstones. There were tombstones knocked over. And I think what happens is during these periods where um, there are conflict, um, anti-Semitism and incidents of it a spike. And we've seen the numbers kind of bear that out. Um, I've seen numbers of, you know, three to 400% increases since October 7th in anti-Semitic acts. And I know... For sure, that that's that same sort of thing is happening, um, you know, with Islamophobia and anti-Arab uh, behavior. Right. And you know, what's sad is, it's like I don't think the majority of people would ever do something like that. But when there's division and there's um, uh, inflammatory rhetoric that demonizes in the, in the general discourse in the public discourse, that emboldens the extreme actors to do bad stuff. And 
that's really scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and when that impacts us, that, that's where people, you know, I think will say, well, how does something in Israel or across the, on the other side of the world impact us here in Cuyahoga County or in the United States? Well, it manifests itself right, when, when right. that dialogue kind of increases or that rhetoric increases to a level where people are emboldened. And, and it's stuff that we're noticing and it's, it's, it's not, um, people don't feel safe. And I think that, that fear is reasonable, um, given the, the trauma given the, the, the acts, you know, that have been documented. And, um, that's, um, that's really, that's really tough. Just for uh, respect for fairness. Um, Omar was talking off the record when we stopped uh, rolling and he said they forgot to bring up, um, vandalism to a store that was on the East side. I think in little Italy, there's a Palestinian ran uh, store mm-hmm. and he had some vandalism or they saw vandalism over there. Um, and so it is happening in our communities and yes. I, and it's scary for, um, are, are the people of those communities that this hate is directed toward. And I, it has no place here in Cuyahoga County, to be honest with you. It has no place. Yep. Um, last question I have for you, and I want to say thank you again for, for taking the time to do this. How do you think we as a party and how we as a community here in Cuyahoga County move forward, mm-hmm. um, just squash these kind of incidences and get back to a place where we are a unified, not only party when it comes to this, we are a unified party, but you know, but in this situation, mm-hmm. um, and we stop this this rhetoric of hate here in the county. Yeah, I think it starts with dialogue. I think it starts with um, you know debating and wrestling with ourselves. Um, you know, I don't think feelings alone are going to be sufficient here. I think we have to really dive in and explore. Um, and have curiosity and and seek alternative perspectives and question. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that learning can combat some of the um, rhetoric and sloganeering and and other things that are happening that don't do anyone any good. Right. Um, and I think the Democratic Party as a whole is meant to be a big tent party right. um, as big as possible. And, you know, that that seeks to protect liberties and and express freedom and all of that. At the same time, there needs to be some boundaries on that. And like, how do we decide what those are if we can't even look at each other and have a conversation or we're so upset or, or whatever the case? Right. Be. A lot of people say, that, hey, well, we need to talk more to each other. OK, we know that we need to talk more. And I, I want it actionable. What should somebody do? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I'm not saying you have the answer to this. But. Yeah, <laughs> again, I, but I, I do think it's about um, you know debating and questioning, right. and um, you know that means that we have to go outside of our comfort zones and um, learn and explore and try to um, understand where people are coming from. And, you know, I think this is for everybody. I'm not saying I'm good at it or the Jewish people are good at it. The Jewish people historically, and especially in this country, have stood up for a lot of progressive causes. That doesn't make it so that we get a pass on, um, you know, not having empathy for the Palestinian people. Mm. And, you know, that that's not an excuse, right? And I think it's easier to just look within ourselves and just, you know, stand with Israel um, without having to get uncomfortable and understand why someone may feel a certain way about the, the conflict. And, um, you know, I think it's it's challenging for a lot of folks. Um, I know the challenges because I've been working on this issue, you know, in multiple capacities for a very long time, well before October 7th. And a lot of my friends are. And I think it's important that we 
hold space for people to have divergent opinions and still have respect for each other and learn from each other. And so if we're going to have a, a unified party, you know, that's that you have to create an environment for that. Disagreement and debate is OK, mm-hmm. um, but it needs to come from a place of curiosity and understanding. And, and I, that's why I really agree. I really am happy that you and Omar agreed to do this. And I hope that maybe we can have a different conversation or another conversation where we can uh, maybe talk more in detail about this so we can start breaking down some of those walls and barriers as well. But I think this was a great start to start that conversation, um, to look at your community, the communities yourself and your your both personal opinions about your the situation and your communities. Um, and just understand what you feel at this point. So I really appreciate you, Adam, for coming on and opening up with us, and um, I hope to talk to you again. Thanks, Matthew.